Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Monday, November 30th. The sun is shining. Birds are singing. Hug your friends. Kiss your family. Tell someone you love them. The Nittany Lions have won a football game. Does it erase the five losses? No. Does it erase the beginning of the season? No. But do we feel damn good in this moment with a W, a one in the win column? You're damn right we do. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host, Pat Coicchio. Pat, I ask you every week, how you doing? How you feeling? I, I got to imagine this one feels a little bit better. Oh, the best I've been in weeks, Chris. <laughs> All I'm thinking about now is no games are canceled. If we win out, we accept the invitation to a bowl game. We finish five and five. Somebody, somebody said that to us on Twitter. I will, I will give them some credit later as I scroll through. But someone said, like, convince me we don't win out and go five and five. And I was, at first, I was like, how is that possible? There's no way we qualify for a bowl game. I didn't realize they got rid of. There's no requirements to get no bowl game. There's no amount of wins. It's just you go wherever. And of course, somebody's going to take the Penn State team for ratings. Like, obviously, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, care so, what kind of dog shit bowl it is. If someone gives us the opportunity to not finish with a losing record and we're there, we have to take it. Yeah, I think we'll probably play like Eastern, Middle, Tennessee, Southern um, in the, you know, number two pencil bowl. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> care if we play, you know, in Little Mary's School for the Blind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we will take it regardless. Um, this is going to be a positive podcast. Like I said, you know, this obviously doesn't doesn't erase 0-5, doesn't erase all the problems we have, doesn't fix all the problems we have. There's still a long way to go, but we are going to relish in this. We're going to be positive today. Sure, we'll point some things out, but uh, we're going to have some fun. So let's start with, uh, I asked people, um, I said, first win calls for some podcast shout outs. Reply here with how you're feeling after the game, and we'll read the best ones. Um, we didn't have a ton, so as usual, I'll just read them all. Uh, starting off, Shane Lunnan, relieved to finally get a win. Be nice if they can string together some W's to close out the season on a high note. Jeffrey Wallazer Jr., feeling really excited about the future of our running game. Lee looked like a true number one RB out there. Mikey Moves, I feel really good. Maybe too good. Honestly, Clifford is what makes or breaks our team. He plays like this. We have a chance to beat anyone. With the emergence of P-Wash, nice nickname, and our freshman RBs, we got something going. Also glad Shaka can boost his NFL stock. Chris Lyons 026 is relieved. Honestly, feel like this season is salvaged with this win. CJ Scalzetti, I feel pretty confident we can win out. Luis Ramos, the, the gift from Talladega Nights of Will Farrell, just saying, I'm not sure what to do with my hands. <laughs> just perfect. Shout out, Luis. Uh, Caroline, Sup Caroline, Queen of Penn State Twitter. Uh, the last five weeks, like I literally fell off a turnip truck. Today, like I figuratively fell off a turnip truck because this one in five feeling may as well be six and oh at this point. <laughs> That's a visual for you. Nice one, Caroline. Uh, Drew Cagle, Cagle Bagels. So pumped. I had people giving me sideways looks on the road while dancing away and blasting celebration music. Quote, in the passenger seat, of course. Safety first. Thank you, Cagles. Uh, Chris Cityview7 just said, better. Nice shout out to one of James Franklin's press conference answers. Uh, Amanda Rossman, ecstatic. I did whoop whoop at the student bookstore in downtown state when it was over. State College Local, how you doing? Uh, Nick Shue, because this season, I'll never take a Penn State football victory for granted ever again. Enjoying the W over Michigan like I would any year. Uh, Jim Cavallucci, I'm glad we won at Michigan. Plus, no turnovers. Used the clock well. Mark Brower, that's BrowCow77. I feel like I don't know how to feel. <laughs> Happy to beat Michigan and finally win a game, but this season still sucks. And a gif of himself looking very confused. <laughs> Shout out, BrowCow. That's very funny. Uh, Eric Lyons says, feeling like I'm in a state of euphoria. Yes, they are one in five, but beating the fighting Harbaugh's and quite possibly being the proverbial nail in the coffin for Jimmy's career at Michigan is actually amazing. Now let's win out and finish five and five. Yes, it's possible. So there's, there's Eric, shut that. Um, and then official Penn State gnome, I didn't know we had one, but shout out to the Penn State gnome, says, relieved. Only in 2020 could Penn State be 0-5 and beat Michigan in the big house. My wife was tired of the belligerent yelling from the past five weeks, so she ran errands and didn't get to enjoy the win. A lot of range of emotions there, mostly positive. We got turn up trucks, we got wives doing errands, we got gifts of themselves. It's, it's incredible. So thank you everyone for, for responding there. Um, I feel I feel pretty similar, Pat. What's your what's your general feeling? Obviously, we're recording this Monday night, but Saturday the wind happens, clock hits zero. How are you feeling in that moment? 
Oh my, just, just tremendous. I'm, I'm very on board with this guy who's saying he's never going to take another Penn State win for granted. Like you, you ever see uh, like people who live through the Great Depression at restaurants, they'll like take all, all the sugar packets and put it in their purse. Like that's yep. going to be me with Penn State wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh we, we skated by against the Kent State in week one in a normal year. Hey, guys, it's a win. Remember, remember me, I was there in 2020. Remember 2020? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I same thing. I was like – They'd shut off your wins even if the quarterback landed on the one-yard line and wasn't in the end zone. <laughs> it, was, it was craziness. Um, yeah, I was in like a, a state of like not disbelief, but it was almost just like a, like like I said, shout out to my friend Luis. Like the I I don't know what to do with my hands. Like I, I don't know. Like I kind of lost that feeling. Like what do you do after a win? Like I didn't even make a post game video because I was like, I can't be cocky right now. We're one and five. Like you I don't know. know what to do. You're trying to walk this fine line between being so happy that we won and being so pathetic that we're <laughs> happy we're exactly. one and five. Exactly. But, but you know what, like you said, in a year like this, we will absolutely take it. Uh, the first win in Michigan at Ann Arbor since 2009. I couldn't um, believe that. I couldn't believe that either. I know, I know we've had some back and forth battles, but I guess in the Franklin era, all the wins have been at home. Um, so that was nice. Get that, you know, check that off the box. A win on the road in Michigan. Franklin and the O'Brien, apparently. Yeah, true, true. Um, and then let me ask you this, you know, Michigan having a shit year, uh, as well, does that like diminish it at all for you? Like so many people were like, "Haha, Michigan still sucks." Like it still feels good to beat Michigan. Like I don't know if I see it as a true like rivalry or anything, but it's nice to beat them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna like hang my hat on. Remember that year we beat Michigan, man? Like, yeah, what yeah. what a season! <laughs> this is I not think... gonna go down as like one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Um, yeah, like I'm just so happy to be in that win column. Oh, of course. I think, I think what it is about Michigan, at least maybe in the last five years or so is like, I feel like we're very similar programs. Like we're, we're that like second tier in the big 10 behind Ohio state. We're fighting to get through, trying to get to a playoff, these, you know, big name coaches who haven't gotten over the hump. So it's been like that constant comparison of like, is Franklin better? Is Harbaugh better? Like who knows at the end of the day, but like, I think that is like a little bit of a, a kicker of like, okay, cool. Yes, we're having a down year. Yes, they're having a down year. But head-to-head, at least we got the win over them. Not to mention, especially in the big house, like not only have we lost to Michigan in recent years, they've murdered us every time we've gone. Yeah, it was like back and forth year after year. Like in Ann Arbor, we'd get shellacked. In State College, they'd get shellacked. Like it was just this weird back and forth. So, yeah, close game. Um, Some scary moments for sure where I wasn't quite sure we were going to hold on, but we did. and. And we'll take it. Um, so let's jump in. We'll, we'll start with our lion and lamb as usual. Uh, as most weeks, I am not going to give out a lamb. This is a positive vibes episode. Uh, Pat is a free country. You can choose to give one if you'd like. Well, let's start with the lion MVP of this game. Who is your lion? And it shall be Kevon. And Keevon. he shall be a good man. <laughs> he shall be Kevon. Kevon is by Sing far it. the lion of this game. He put the team on his back, man. He was like our whole offense. Uh, you know, like Sean Clifford stepped up and was big in key moments, but this was not like, you know, this was, we've seen Sean Clifford have big games before. I wouldn't call this that. He was a game manager and he had his big moments, but this was Kevon Lee's game. It really, really was. He is uh, the Big Ten freshman of the week. Um, first game over over 100 yards for him. I think this is three games in a row with a touchdown. Um Somebody said it looks like an, looks like an RB one. It's hey, it's limited sample size, but yeah, he's he's looking damn good. Um, as as usual, my predictions are typically wrong. So if you, if you ever want to like bet something, go always go against me. Uh, pre-game, I tweeted out. I think both running backs have a good day, but I think Isaiah Holmes breaks a long one. <laughs> he was not the guy today. Uh, it was Kevon Lee. Um, but yeah, really really happy. Uh, Kevon did put our meme uh, of the. Um, was a Jake Paul and Nate Robinson fight. So I had Jake Paul walking away as Kevon Lee, Nate Robinson face down Michigan defense. Uh, he put that on his Instagram story. So shout out. There you go. Kevon, appreciate you. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he was great. 22 for 134. It's an average of 6.1 a carry. Uh, and as long as only 24. So he's like, he's a guy. Now here's a guy. That's a good John Madden impression there. Uh, he is a guy who I tweeted out, reminds me a bit of Noah Kane in the sense where, He's not perhaps your 
shifty breakaway spin moves stutter step everyone but he is going to consistently move the ball run downhill bowling ball kind of guy and just continue to get yardage um we saw a lot of comparisons on twitter i don't know if you were following any of these uh so one person compared him to evan royster which i thought was kind of interesting uh so some people call comparing him to jim brown just like icon but hey we'll take it um yeah i'll tell you it, what I, th- I think he he did bust out a couple of spin moves this game though i think I know Kaziah did. That might have been Kaziah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Kaziah had a couple because that was, I think, the, I don't know if the official account tweeted it or maybe it was the Lawn Boys account. Someone tweeted, like, Penn State running back wearing number 26. Yeah, you know how to spin move, like, comparing him to Saquon. Um, But, yeah, like, in a world where, you know, Franklin said in his press conference, these guys came in as four and five on the depth chart. Um, he said, he said something that was pretty funny. He goes, uh, he goes, you know, we, obviously we thought they were both talented kids, which is why we recruited them, but we expected them to play in, in different kinds of games, meaning the ones where we're blowing people out in the third quarter yeah. that just haven't happened. Um, you know, journey, journey goes out, Noah goes out, uh, Devin missed this one. I think they said a comedy. I think he was a little banged up, but also had a death in the family. So condolences to Devin Ford and his family, but you got two fre- true freshman running back as the only active running backs. I'm almost positive. I don't think they activated or had any of the other walk-ons ready to go. So you got these two guys carrying the load and, and to circle it back to the lion award, Kevon did it all. Absolutely. He was a beast. Yeah. So shout out Kevon. You are a lion. Um, I mean, he's the, he's the clear and obvious answer. So I'll just give another one just because uh, a guy who's heard his name called several times on this podcast and now has a nickname P wash. Uh, I'm going to go with P dubs. Yeah. P wash doesn't sound good. That, that's like, that, there's some connotations there that we don't want to talk about. Um, P dubs. I like P dubs is a lot better. Uh, Parker Washington, nine receptions, 93 yards along of 22 uh, had a very nice one early in the game where he bounces off some people, starts running to the outside, uh, almost reminiscent of KJ's uh, Maryland last year, where he took that to the house. Parker didn't quite get there, but very nice play to stay alive. And I believe I saw the Penn State football Twitter account tweeted out today that nine receptions is a record, Penn State record, for a true freshman wide receiver. So not a lot to say about him. He's a very good wide receiver. I think he's going to continue to get better over the next two years. And I, I said it before, like, and it's, a little bit of hyperbole and bias and exaggeration, but like, he's the kind of guy I think like absolutely morphs into a first round talent. So like, I, I think he's got that. Um, so yeah, shout out Parker Washington. Um, all right. So we, we do have some like Twitter questions and stuff, but I mean, this is the first time we've had a win. How do you want to do this? I don't even know how to structure this podcast. What's on your mind. What do you want to Ooh. talk about? What do you got? Let's do we start with, actually, I don't know if we have any like, uh yeah we don't have any specific questions so let's start with the quarterback play let's start there obviously a hot topic we spent the entirety of last episode talking about how cliff and levis are not the guys for the future and how we want some change uh you, you mentioned a little bit earlier how cliff was game manager but what do you think of his performance uh on saturday yeah i mean i thought it was it was good not great you know 17 for 28 that i don't know what completion percentage that is but it's fine i think it's better than his usual uh, 163 yards, you want to see more than that, but hey, whatever. Uh, no touchdowns, and the, honestly, the biggest stat was no interceptions. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this massive. Was, I, honestly, the, the thing that I thought he was best at coming into the season was not throwing interceptions, and it's been by far his worst, the worst part about his game so far. Uh, so just doing that was important, plus, you know, he adds another 73 on the ground and ran for a touchdown. He had some timely runs that extended drives. Um, I, I was, I would calling him a game manager might be a little underplaying what he did, but I said he he was not a light up the the stat sheet kind of guy, but he did what it he did what it took to get a win, and that's yeah. what we him all season. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I don't know if game manager is all that wrong. I think that's pretty spot on. Um, so yeah, sixty percent completion, which is uh, you know above his season average of he's down in the mid fifties somewhere. Um, or this brings him up to 57-ish, I think. Um, no passing touchdowns, is that right in this game? No passing right. touchdowns. Um, everything was done on the ground. But, yeah, his, his season is 11 passing touchdowns, eight interceptions, which is more than he had all of last year at seven. So to see none of those 
fantastic. Um, we almost had a turnover earlier uh, where uh, they called a fumble on Parker Washington, but he was down. So kind of skated away on that one, thankful. Um, but zero turnovers in general is huge for the entire team, not just Cliff. Um, yeah, this is, and again, this is a positive podcast. So this is not me being negative. It's just me thinking out loud. Um, this is one of those games that's like, you're so happy in the moment, but when you try to like step back and look at long-term, like what does this do for you? Is this like, now Cliff has sort of the benefit of the doubt again and Franklin lets him go through and struggle more or is he still on a short lease and, and he pulls him for Levis if he starts messing up or, or having bad games. I don't know. Um, at this point in time, I don't care to think about it, but I think in the back of my head, those are some things I think about. Um, Levis, on the other hand, did not uh, did not play really as a quarterback throwing the ball, but was in uh, six, six rushes, runs. 25 yards, one touchdown. Um, What's, what's your take on the Levis package? Because Franklin says that they're going to need both of them and they're going to continue to do that. And it sounds like his plan is to have Cliff as the main guy, the guy that we thought he was going to be, and then this special Levis package, the, you know, the lion, if you will, um, old Tommy Stevens kind of run the ball play. What, how do you feel about that? Uh, I hate to say it because I, I like Will Levis as like a player and as a runner, to be honest, I think he's a good runner, but there's something about like replacing the quarterback that it just seems to throw off the rhythm of the offense. Uh, the other team seems to 100% know we're going to run the ball when Will Levis comes in. It's just a matter of whether he's handing it off or keeping it. And I think most of the time they assume he's keeping it. I just, it's not, this is the first game that he even remotely worked this season. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my, that's my biggest problem with it is not that I don't think it can be effective. It's just like, we keep doing it, even though it's not Um, great, great that he scored the touchdown at the end. That kind of put the game out of reach. That was exciting. Made me happy. Um, and like we've mentioned, he is a very capable runner. We get that. But um, I think it was I think it was Audrey Snyder tweeted it out. I, I remember I retweeted it during the game, uh, like the Will Levis package um, so far this season. Uh, delay of game versus Indiana. Fumble versus Indiana. Uh, false start on Kevon Lee on the fourth and one this, this game. Uh, Kevon, you were great this game. That wasn't not, not so good. Why are you moving? You're in the slot. The run's going the other way. Positive podcast. Not going to talk about that. Uh, and that led to a missed 49-yard field goal. So before the touchdown, the other like three Some of these aren't his fault, you know? No, 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 no. Of course not. Oh, I mean, delay a game is his fault. He's the quarterback. Yeah. Fumble. Fumble. He fumbled it. So the only one that's not his fault is Kevon going off sides there. Uh, but even so, even so, <laughs> even if it's a 50% success rate. I don't know. Kevon's averaging six yards of carry. Why not just give it to him? Like, I, again, I don't understand the, the intricacies of it all, but it, it just seems like it's trying to get too cute and do too much for me at times. And I don't know. I don't That's love it. that. Also the whole, like I get bringing him, you know, he's the hard runner, you know, bring him into the goal line. Hey, just go under center and sneak it, man. <laughs> Please stop I, trying to run from the shotgun from close distances. If it's, if it's inches or one yard, just get under the center. There's a reason they do it in the NFL. It works. Yeah. I mean, it's a Tom Brady special. As much as I hate the guy, how many times does he just run up right under center and push the pile? And it works. And he's Off so unathletic. Yes. yes. Like, <laughs> any one of our guys can do that. Uh, I saw someone tweeting that, like, I don't know if it was Michigan or maybe Ohio State or some team was, was doing that. And they're like, why can't Penn State just do this? So... Yeah, I, again, this is positive, so I'm not going to get into it. I'm, I'm interested to see the quarterback play for, for the rest of the year. Cliff had a much better game, no turnovers. Obviously, nothing crazy through the year, but they didn't take a lot of shots. They had a couple of, couple of fades, which I hate in awful situations, <laughs> but we're not going to go there. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't really asked to air it out a whole lot. Um, you know, he did what he had to. Uh, a couple of very nice runs on the ground, which, I, again, I think in a situation like this where – you know, he hasn't, he isn't running for his life or constantly trying to tuck the ball and run when he doesn't see anything open downfield. Yeah. The run game can be effective nine for 73 and a touchdown. That's awesome. We love that. It's when he has 16 for like 25 that we're like, all right, what the fuck are you doing? Um, also only one sack. Yeah. I let's pivot there. O line, man. O line looked okay. Um, somebody, somebody commented, I think it might've been on my halftime tweet. I can't find it, but I uh, said like 70 and 79 are looking good. And that's uh, Caden Wallace at right tackle and uh, Juice Scruggs getting some more playing time on the inside there. Um, 
I thought they both looked really good. I didn't, I didn't rewatch the game or anything like that, but just to my naked eye, um, that's promising. Was Scruggs platooning for fries? I don't know, to be honest. I didn't look at snap counts. Some, someone who's more knowledgeable than us, take a look at that. He's playing one of the guard positions. So fries is right guard because Thorpe got bumped down and Miranda is left guard still, right? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't. I feel like he was playing on the I always get Menet Miranda confused, to be honest. Yeah, well, Menet's center. I know, but, like, <laughs> when, whenever I try to, like, bring, like, just off the top of my head, I always get messed up. Yeah, I, I, I think they both played well. So, yeah, the one one guy, uh, shout out Alan <laughs> Felix, said uh, his comment at halftime was, linebackers are supremely talented but lack game sense, poor angles on run. Runs. I thought Brandon so, Smith looked really good, though. We'll get to linebackers. I thought he had a real good game. Uh, young corners playing better, getting Michigan a third and long, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it says offense, offensive line looks more cohesive one through nine. I like 70 and 79, future stars. That's Scruggs and Caden Wallace. And he also said number three, uh, talking about P-dubs, Park Washington. That's Knack as a wide receiver since Butler, which I also liked that comparison. Um, but yeah, quarterbacks, it is what it is. Things will either get a whole lot better or next year will be – a wide open competition, but thank you, Sean, for putting together a good game, giving us what we needed, getting us the W. Shout out, Sean Clifford. I see this as hopefully this is because coming into the season, I thought Sean Clifford was the guy. I thought it was yeah. him. I thought he could lead our program to big things. I look at this as hopefully this like snaps him out of whatever funk he's been in. Yeah. This is the turn. And even though it wasn't a huge game, it's a game where he, he wins. He has no turnovers. He plays well. And I hope that this is like the turning point. He goes back to not turning the ball over. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, so let's get into a couple of Twitter questions because they're they surround around this, and then we'll get into some of the defensive topics. Uh, Jeffrey Wellser Jr. It seemed like Franklin went to a Joe Pa type game plan. Don't ask your QB to do too much. Run the ball with your RBs and play bend, but don't break defense. I think this should have been the game plan to start the season. Why do you think it took till game six to change things up? Uh, because I don't think this was the hand we thought we were. I thought we had a quarterback who was good enough to not do the, don't ask him to do too much. Um, we thought we might have potentially a dominant defense coming in. You know, we, we just thought this team was way better and it wouldn't have to play like that. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't think to, to the point of, I think this should have been the game plan to start the season in the year 2020, maybe not. We'll use in the, in the 2019 and forward, you know, maybe not Corona times, but in a normal modern day college football that shouldn't be the game plan for really any team teams are way not too to mention fast. three snaps into our season we lost our first two running backs of course of course of course but but i'm saying just in even even preseason even preseason i don't think there's a single team in the modern era whose game plan is hey let's ground and pound go for 300 yards on the ground every every game and you know quarterback will throw 12 passes like that's just not the way college football is played anymore it's it's speed it's spread offenses. It's air the ball out. Like that used to be kind of like a, what was it, the big 12 thing where they just, you know, aired everything out. Now most teams are trying to do that. Like look at LSU last year, look at Alabama every year, look at Ohio state every year. These are teams with tons of skill players that can stretch the field that can beat you in every way possible. Um, so to Jeff, Jeffrey, I don't know which way you go by, but thanks for always writing in. We appreciate you. Um, I disagree on that part. I don't think that should have been the plan. What what do you think it took till game six to change things up? It took an 0-5 start. Yeah, it took an 0-5 start, worst start in program history, uh, and and the quarterback issues, right? Um, do I think this has continued the game plan going forward? I hope not. Like, I, I think we'll be more conservative, and we've seen, like, a blueprint at this point. So, sure, you'll see more of it. But I, I, I hope this is, like – step zero of sort of building blocks to get back to where we are. Maybe you can't do the full playbook. Maybe you can't run Shiraka's full offense right now, but hopefully this is step zero. And now next week we see a little bit more, maybe some more downfield shots, maybe some more downfield presence. Then we get more and more and more and finally get into, you know, this prolific offense that we thought we were going to be. Um, staying on the quarterback topic, let's go to Ron Burgundy, aka PSU fan 1977. Uh, says UCF quarterback Mackenzie Milton is supposed to enter the transfer portal. Why would Franklin not go after a player of his caliber? I know how I know he recruited these QBs, but why not an upgrade? Um, how familiar are you with Mackenzie Milton? Not at all. All right. 
Um, so let's let's start with just in general um, the state of transfer quarterbacks. So this has been a hot topic after like after zero and three, people were calling for hey get a transfer in there, get a transfer in there because uh, Cliff was looking so poor. Um, I don't know if I love the idea of transfer quarterbacks. Like, yes, it's, I think we even talked about this on one episode. It's, it's a bandaid, right? Cause most of those guys will have one year of eligibility left. And if it's, Hey, if it's a bridge to get you through to your next big time recruit, sure. That's awesome. Um, but if it's strictly just bringing someone in just to survive until the next year and just survive till the next year and like, keep trying to do that kind of like how Michigan has done. Um, I think that can be really worrisome for recruiting like trying to tell guys that they can come in and compete when you've got three or four guys in the roster that you told that to, and now you have someone in that you're bringing in to take their job. Um, if it's an absolute no doubter and he's going to get you over the edge and get you to the playoff and that's the only piece missing. Sure. Maybe, but like as part of the fabric of the team and the way we recruit and all that, I don't, I don't know if I love it. Um, what's your take in general? I was, I, I mostly agree with you on that. And it, it, yeah, there's something about – I think it's going to be hard to recruit a quarterback after you kind of have a guy and then just bring in someone else who's you, from a different team. That, yeah, that, it's, I don't think that's the way to start getting four- and five-star quarterbacks. I mean, it's the same thing in, in like, corporate America, right, whether you, a company promotes from within or just constantly brings in talent from elsewhere. Like, if you're, if you're a lower-level employee and you're trying to rise the ranks and they just keep bringing in people to be your boss, like – you're not going to stay at that company very long. Um, obviously not apples to apples there, but kind of how good is this kid though? Mackenzie Milton. So let's look at him. So Mackenzie Milton is the quarterback at UCF um, had the brutal leg injury. So he missed all of last year, just came back this year, um, but has been kind of supplanted because whoever else was playing, I guess, took over. I don't know. I'm not remembering all of that. Um, now in 2017, the year of UCF's asterisk national championship where they went undefeated, I mean, he had an incredible year, uh, 67% completion, 4,000 yards, 37 touchdowns to nine interceptions. I mean, that's just beautiful. Like that is, he, he had a lights out year and that's why they're the damn national champions. <laughs> um, 2018. And I imagine this is the season where he got hurt. Um, 59%, 2,600 yards, 25 touchdowns to six interceptions still. And how many ratio. Uh, let's take a look, see if we can figure that out. Um, I'm um, looking, my, my point is like, this guy's coming off of a brutal injury. He's back playing football, which is awesome. I don't know. Like I, I'll, to answer Ron Burgundy's question, I don't know enough about him. You could be yeah. very right. If this, if this kid is the guy that he was in 2017 lights out, then sure. Take a swing. Absolutely. If he is why starting. True. True. Yeah. I don't know who UCF starter is right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, if I'm – if we bring in Mackenzie Milton next year, if I'm Taquan Roberson, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm not staying. If I'm Micah Bowens, even, I'm sitting there going, okay, why am I here? And then if I'm Christian Vayu, who just came in as a freshman, going, oh, interesting, but all right. And then if I'm Bo Pribola the next year, going, what the hell's going on? And then if I'm a five-star quarterback the next year, going, why am I going to commit there? It's, it's a domino effect. Now, obviously, not all of your quarterbacks are going to give up on you if you bring a new guy in. Um, but it's just – it's – it's a very, it's a, it's a reality of college football right now. And, and of course we need to learn to adapt to it and we do need to leverage the transfer in more. Obviously we've seen a lot transfer out. I'm rambling guys. I'm excited about the win. I'm sorry, but uh, my, my, let me, let me wrap this up in a bow here. If, if he's that good, of course I would love it. But if it's just cause we don't believe in the guys we have and it's a band aid, it scares me. Agreed. Oh, Ron Burgundy, thanks for the question, brother. Um, one more from Ron Burgundy, actually. Uh, and this actually goes back to, to Jeff's, Jeffrey's question about, like, why is our game plan not what it is? Uh, said, I watched the Bama offense today, and I know they are loaded on offense, but the different formations, the motions, the crossing routes to free wide receivers up, why do all of our OCs only run three wide receiver tight end RB? Is it the offense Franklin prefers or what? We just look so basic. What do you think on that one? Um, I mean, I don't think things like formations are you – know, I'm, not, I'm not an offensive wizard by any means, but you can run a great offense with three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. And especially coming into the season, 
that's kind of, you know, our talent mostly lay in tight end and running back. That's what we thought was the dependable part of our roster. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I don't hate that. I think it's more about the plays you run and the formations you run them out of. But it's something that I'm guessing maybe Shiraka will work in more the more he gets – uh, you know, ingrained in the system, the more, you know, he gets an, a real off season to implement his system. You'll probably see some more creative stuff. Yeah. And I, and I see what, what Ron is saying here. Um, there is something to be said for being able to run many different looks, give the defensive coordinator fits, change things up, not know what you're throwing at them and, and disguise things in a sense. Yeah, of course there's something to be said for that. Um, but even outside of Sharaka, cause I think, yeah, I think that's the answer of, guys missing this year, injuries this year, no full off season. Like I, I think it's very basic and I agree with that, but outside of Joe Moorhead, I mean, we've been very basic for as long as I can remember, right? Franklin came in with John Donovan, very basic. Um, Joe Mo comes in and lights things up, gives us all a taste of what electric really looks like. Uh, then we go to Ricky Ronnie and it gets super basic. Um, you know, we were, we were calling every week for, why the hell are you running these damn plays? Uh, and now with Shiraka, we're seeing that again. So I, I get the frustration there, and, and I understand it too. Um, biggest thing for me when you – I mean, obviously, you know, he said, I know they're loaded in offense. It, it comes down to the dudes, right? Like even, even at full strength, we're not, we're not capable of running those type of offenses. We just aren't in general. Um, and that's not a knock on us. That's just the state of where we are compared to other programs. I mean, you look at Alabama, even this year, they lost Jalen Waddell, but even this year, Mac Jones is lighting it up. He has 2,700 yards to Sean Clifford's 1,200. It's a bit of a difference. Uh, their leading rusher, Najee Harris, 893 on the ground compared to our leading rusher, who is Sean Clifford, (laughs) 255 on the ground. Um, their leading wide receiver, guy's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft this year, Devontae Smith, 72 receptions for just over 1,000 yards. Our leading receiver, Jahan Dotson, 34 for 557. They've got like eight That's, games under the belt, though, don't they? Of course, of course. Yeah, you know what? Shit. All right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But, <laughs> but, but, but a few more games. All right, fine. But even on pace for, I don't think we're going to get those same numbers. Oh, Damn yeah. It. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I thought I had something there. I forgot they played more games than us. So we'll, we'll cut this part out. Not really. I'll leave it in, call myself out. My point being, these dudes are very, very good. Like 72 for a thousand. We haven't had that probably since 2017 um, in a wide receiver. So my, my point being is like, they have the dudes to do it. Their offensive line is really, really good. And that's the same to be said for Clemson or an Ohio state or any of these top programs, like in our best years with Jomo, like we look back on it, we had some dudes, man. Like, look at 2016, right? Um, Trace, finishes, Trace finishes with 3,600 yards passing. Saquon, 1,500 yards rushing. Um, we have a plethora of guys catching the ball. Godwin, 59 for 982. Kasiki, 48 for 679. Deshaun, 34 for 506. DeAndre Tompkins, 27 for 440. Saquon added 28 for 402. And Saeed Blackhill, 15 for 347. That's one, two, three, four, five, six different guys with 400 plus receiving yards. Like, are every single one of those guys in the NFL? Godwin, Gasicki, Hamilton. I don't know about DeAndre Tompkins and Black and all. They might be on practice squads. I know they've been bouncing around a lot. Um, They might still be on practice squads, but yes, the other guys are all NFL talents, right? You go to 2017. Those um, are all guys who have at least been in the league. Yes. Yeah. Same thing 2017. Uh, Saquon, another great year. Deshaun, Juwan Johnson. Barkley, Gasicki, Tompkins, Blackwell continues, right? And then 2018 is when we start to see a bit of a drop-off, right? That's Trace's last year. Um, KJ is, is the late leading receiver with 754. Um, then, I mean, you move on to 2019. KJ, I think, had more receptions than the next five guys combined, her next four wide receivers combined. So, like, all of this to say, and again, I apologize for my stat error. Thank you for catching that, Pat. Um, all of this to say is we're just not at that level. Like, I don't think we have – and this, again, not a knock on our guys. I don't think we have the talent to run those type of offenses. When you have a guy like Devontae Smith and he's playing with Jalen Waddell and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, like all four of those guys shared the field. They're all four of them are all four first round wide receiver talents. We just don't have that. So 
But we not got to mention eventually. we're not executing the simple stuff right now. Yeah. Like mixing <laughs> it up is not what we got to. <laughs> yeah. Very, very true. That's a good You don't one. go, man, we're getting this we're getting this really easy stuff wrong. We gotta make this more complex. <laughs> very true. When we're uh when we're when we're running QB draws on on third and long still and we're running end zone fades that don't work and we can't get a damn third and one conversion. Like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be changing it. But you know what? This is a positive podcast because we won a game. So not to mention as much as we love him, Nick Saban's a better coach than James Franklin. <laughs> yeah. Listen, all of these things are working against us. I, I understand the question. I, I really do from Ron Burgundy. I want to see all those things too. We're just not there yet. One day so, maybe. One day. Um, Chris, we kind of touched on this one, but Chris Lions 026 is, can you convince me that uh, we don't end the season four and five and then win a bad bowl game? I can't uh, even convince myself that. So I'm yeah, not, I can't convince you. Do I, do I want that? Of course. Do I hope for that? Of course. Um, Rucker scares me a little bit. I'll say it. This is, this is the trust tree. Um, we just come off a big win. Like we fall flat even a little bit. That's, that's going to be one that I, I don't know how I'll swallow. It'll also be just be so embarrassing. So embarrassing. So let's not go there. That's a positive podcast. Um, but Chris, I don't know if I can convince you right that of that right now, but that's absolutely. No, he reality. wants us to convince him that we won't. I'm saying I can't convince myself that we won't. Oh, I thought it was the other way. Can you convince me that we don't? And oh, all right, yeah, sure. Um, no, I'm not going to convince you, but I, I'm not. I'm not overly confident. I'm I, I could worried. present some arguments against the case. I'm still a little worried, but positive podcast. Yes, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> um, all right, so let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Sween's uh, good friend of the program uh, puts in a question that will pivot us right there. Segway, if you will. Said positive takes continue. Team looked good. Uh, team looks like they wanted to be out there from the first snap. Felt good to see them prepared and fighting out of the gate. But we can, can we come up with some explanation for these linebackers? They are all over the place, especially in the run game. Uh, you said you think our linebackers look better what's your take I thought Brandon Smith looked good this game I thought he had a really good game um I think uh shout out to coach Caduti from over at for the blog he did a great breakdown of what's been going wrong with our defense and it's it, it, it's our gap assignments mm-hmm. you know the thing with defense is you can't have 11 guys just run to where they think the ball is gonna be like guys have to fill certain space so that you know the offense can't get second level blocking so running backs can't cut back and, like, there are these really important things you have to do on defense that don't include making tackles. And we yeah. haven't been doing those things. Uh, I don't know. If, I can't imagine it's, like, a lack of being able to do it because it's, like, one of the first things you learn how to do when you play defense at, like, a high school level. Um, I don't know if it's a case of guys, like, trying to do too much is maybe the only thing I could – the only positive thing I could contribute it to is these guys trying to do too much, always trying to go after the ball um, and not like getting too into that and not worrying enough about their assignments. Um, and I, I think that has definitely been a problem. It's been as much of a problem with our defensive line as it has with our linebackers. Because when, when the defensive line doesn't fill the correct gaps, then the, the linebackers just get blocked on, on the second level and you're, you're left with our corners and safeties via run stoppers, which is not what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't understand gap, gap assignment and all of that. Like, obviously, I get the concept of it, but I'm not going to sit here and watch the game and tell you I can spot when it happens and when it doesn't. Leave that to Coach Caduti and those guys. It's also <laughs> like you really, at least for guys on our level, you, it's very hard to notice that live. Sure, sure. It's, it's I, I, I might be able to go back and watch film and realize it, but like live one to three looks at a play, Yeah, I, I, yeah. I can't see that. Of course, same. And I think most of our listeners are probably in the same boat. That's why we yeah. do this podcast. We're your, we're your average Joes here. Um, but that's also about... why it looks so baffling when teams just run through our defense. Sure, sure. You're like, what like the that, That's what that is usually, is yeah. a, a blown gap assignment. Yeah, so if we, if we talk about the linebackers and their performance, um, it hasn't been good most of the year, uh, honestly. Like there, there's been a lot of issues in the linebacking core. Um, I've talked to Brandon Beal, a friend of the program. He's been on here a couple of times. He, every, every single week, texts our group chat about why the hell is Brandon Smith still an outside linebacker? He is our biggest linebacker at 244. He is a monster hitter. Um, 
and and listen, I, I know he's super athletic. I know he can make plays, but like having him out in coverage, out in space, doesn't seem to be working. Um, and uh, what's his name? CJ actually responded to that. CJ Scalzetti said, I don't know what these coaches see on film to continue having these guys out of position. Smith should be a middle linebacker. Dixon and Jacobs should be on the outside, which I fully agree with. I think Brandon Smith is a prototypical middle linebacker. He has the athleticism and the ability to play the outside right now, but it doesn't seem like a natural fit. Um, there's plenty of times where he, yeah, sure, he makes the play, but he's out of position or he's late. Um, he's constantly hitting guys like out of bounds. That's, that's just a separate take. Um, I think he's incredible. I think he's fantastic. And I think he's going to be very, very good for us. I agree. I think he should be a middle linebacker. I mean, look, look at this. He's, he is, let's look at this, Brandon Smith. Uh, 6'3", 244. Lance Dixon, 6'2", 221. He can play on the outside. Curtis Jacobs, 6'1", 226. He can play on the outside. Why not? Um, I get that Ellis Brooks is your middle guy right now, but I think Brandon Smith would be much better suited for that position, um, and I think it would add some stability there. And then the other thing, CJ also re replied to this, is that Micah cleaned up a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, you lose Micah Parsons. There's some things that you would never notice because he just makes freak freakishly athletic play and takes care of a blown assignment or takes care of somebody else out of place. Um, so that's a long-winded way to say, I think there's a significant drop-off losing Micah. I think there's a lack of experience just in general, lack of reps from these guys. Uh, and I think there's probably some, some out of position. I would love to see Brandon Smith get reps in the middle this year. I don't think that's going to happen. Would love to see him moved there next year. Yeah. I, I'm, I do think he was good in pass coverage this game. Uh, but good, good is relative. I think I think he was better, but he, I don't know. It just it, again. But I, my... yeah, I I agree with you. Play to his strengths. Like, yeah. don't make him become so right. much better at the worst part of his game. Like, right. Put right. him where he will be the most successful. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I think defense is still there's still <laughs> some issues. Um, you know, if we if we look at uh, if we look at the defense, the biggest thing, biggest one of the biggest things this week was. Um, three offsides penalties, two on OA, one on Shaka that just gifted, gifted Michigan either first down conversions or much better field position. I mean, that's just, that's just tough. Um, let me ask you this. Again, this is a positive podcast, but let's dive into it. Uh, do you think Jason OA goes to the draft after this year? I, I wouldn't draft him in the first five rounds if I was an NFL GM. In my projections and in most mock, mock drafts that I've done and seen, he's still like a, a late first, early second, um, which again, people are, people are banking on his athleticism, his, his freakish ability, which I love and I agree. I selfishly hope we get him back for another year and see him turn into that complete D end that I know he can be. Yeah. I mean, I won't say that I don't get the hype because I, I do. I understand yeah. it's because he's a freak athlete, but the production. Of course, I'm bad. not an NFL GM, but if I was, I would be baffled by the fact that, and I, I don't like to say this because it comes off like talking shit, and that's not how I mean this to come out, but like an, an honest appraisal, I wouldn't even consider drafting him before Shaka Tony, a guy who has, like, you know, is, first of all, more than a good enough athlete to play defensive end in the league, in my opinion, yeah. and has produced big. And yeah. with other monsters on that line, like he produced with Yeecher Gross Matos out there still eating, you know? Yep. And like, I just, you haven't seen the production out of, out of Jason Oway to, yeah. I, I honestly, to be like even an early round draft pick, let alone a first. Yeah. So let's, let's spin it into a positive. Um, if, if he, you know, gets some advice that maybe he wouldn't be a first or second round pick, maybe we get him for another year and get to see him blossom into a dominant edge rusher that we know. Cause I mean, he's, he's getting pressure, right. And he makes some really great plays in space. Um, and yes, if he goes to the draft this year, he will just light up the combine. Some team will fall in love and he'll be at worst. I think a second round pick just because of edge rusher premium position. He's a freak athlete and any team will look at that and be like, Hey, we can teach him. We can get him to where he needs to be. So, uh, all that being said, whatever he chooses, we support him. We love him. Selfishly, has, I hope we get him back. If, if I'm looking at this correctly, I'm looking at ESPN. He's got zero sacks this year. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably correct. I mean... I know Shaka has a couple. Can you imagine um, a first-round draft pick at defensive end who has no sacks? No, no, definitely not. But stranger things have happened in the NFL draft. I mean... 
there's there's absurd picks every year in the first round. Um, I, I I think like I said, I th- this kid could really be a, a tremendous football player. And I think I think he I think he's getting there, and I think he will. Yeah. Be. So it, it's just it's interesting in. And I'm not saying he's bad because he's not. No, he's he's, he's, a, he's a good also, football player. Jason, if you're a listener, which we know you are, we love you. You're incredible. Yeah. Uh, selfishly, we want you back for another year. But my my point being, in the uncertainty of COVID, not knowing what next season is even going to look like, it's going to be again one of those decisions of like, hey, if I'm even getting a second round grade, go get my money. I'm like, I, I think he up. goes just because teams are so high on his athleticism that they'll take him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's a tangent, but that's uh, some preview to draft talk. Uh, let's wrap up some general takeaways uh, from Franklin's press conference, and then when we'll talk about any just last-minute things. Um, Franklin's been talking about adversity and things battling behind the scenes that nobody sees um, pretty much all season. He kind of gave a little bit of insight on that, uh, said that they had two freshman running back active, so like I mentioned before, and three total cornerbacks available for the game. Three total corners. So we had Joey Porter Jr., Marquise Wilson, who started, and then Daquan Hardy, I believe, who had that uh, that fumble, which we'll get to in a minute as well. Those are the only three corners available. So TCF, not available. Keaton Ellis, not available. Every other we backup why, that we have. What was wrong with Keaton Ellis? No idea. And Franklin's not going to tell us that, whether it's health, whether it's COVID, whether it's injury. Um, but that's wild, man. Like, for as, much, for as much flack as we're giving this team and as much shit as we talk, um, not rightfully so, because who are we? <laughs> like, that's that's kind of tough, man. Three quarterbacks available total. If one of those guys goes down, you're like, what, are you rotating another safety in? <laughs> Sucks. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, like, the expectations of this team coming in and, like, what has happened. So the team was ranked eighth overall, preseason eighth, and they're the best player on the team doesn't return. Yeah. Um, starting running back has, doesn't play a single snap. Second string running back plays, I think, maybe three plays. Yeah. Uh, first round NFL tight end talent gets injured in the second game of the season. And by the, you know, after the fifth, he's out. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm missing more, but like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, that's a ridiculous amount of things for a team to go through. It really is. It really is. But like you said, this was, this was a, as complete a game as we've played. Um, no turnovers. Fantastic. Um, we had a fumble recovery on the punch. First time one went our way, right? It's a Drew yes. Hartlove. Uh, that was awesome. Um, just a lot of things. Like, yeah, things went wrong. We missed We missed a field goal. Uh, Stout kicked two things out of bounds. We had those offsides penalties. Things went wrong, and things things are going to continue to go wrong, and hopefully this is a building block. Um, let's wrap up with the play that everyone is talking about. Um, Daquan Hardy, strip sack. Shaka Tony makes one of the what seems to be the most heads-up play of all time. That's the ball to keep it in bounds so that we can recover. And then we end up getting a penalty. They get 10 yards and a first down. What was your initial reaction? Because obviously you've probably read some things now, but what was your initial reaction when you saw that happen? I, just went, I didn't even know that was a rule. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I tried to be like, all right, well, let's see this replay. It's good. I tried to like talk about someone. It's, it's going to look like he's not batting the ball. It's going to look like he's trying to catch it. Like, no, he did hit the ball. Of course. But what I've seen from the rule is that you're allowed to do that. Yeah. Actually. So here's, yeah. So here's, here's how I took it. And I, I tweeted out, I said, what in the fuck kind of rule is that? Because the way they were explaining it on TV is like, oh yeah, you can't bat the ball. And then like, oh, that's a stupid clearly, fucking rule. <laughs> yeah. And then like you said, he clearly does. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess they got the call right, but that's a dumbass rule. Um, what we have since seen is that the rule is that you can't bat the ball full. So let's say in, in a hypothetical uh, quarterback hands the ball off to a running back, somebody strips it out. You can't then punch the ball the other way towards the end zone that you're then going to go to so you have a better chance of recovering and scoring. That makes sense. I get that. Um, but Shaka was I – mean, It's also so that if you're fumbling near, like, the sideline, you mm-hmm. can't basically throw the ball out of bounds 10 right. yards ahead. sure. Sure, exactly. Yeah, so like all of that makes sense. But Shaka literally perfectly sideways just pops that ball inbounds. And it reminded me like, and a lot of people were tweeting this, it's, it's very similar to like on a punt when a guy punts it down and at the one yard line, the guy jumps into the end zone and just taps it out so it stays alive. Like that seemed very similar. So I'm like, why the hell can't you do this? Um, 
So a couple of like veteran NFL rules and regulations guys were tweeting like, yeah, they got this wrong. That should not have been a penalty. Should have been Penn State ball. Thankfully, it didn't go against us. But one of the weirder plays you're going you're to see this. I, I couldn't. I was floored. Oh. When we didn't get that ball, and yeah. then not only that, then they because th- th- then the ref said it was third and third down, and I was like, okay, yeah. we can recover from this. But then it was first, yeah, it was first down. Like, you just give oh them first no! Down. <laughs> after and I, I think this was after some of those offside penalties. I was just like, oh my god, you're killing me here. I know. Um, but shout out to Shaka. He he is. I mean, he has had a good year for all things considered for how as bad as our team has been as, as you know, as much adversity as we've gone through. Um, and you, you're hearing stories about him, like being a leader and like, you know, telling the guys, pick your head up after losses. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was Franklin who said it or someone quoted Franklin, but said like after this game, even uh, he was like, uh, Hey, everyone relax after a big win is when teams see spikes in cases and have to cancel games. So like chill, go home, relax kind of thing. Um, so it's awesome just to see him become that dude. Um, you know, we've talked about the Tony family a whole lot on here. Um, just awesome people. Everything you see about them on Twitter, we've never met them, but they seem great. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to end it on that positive note. Shaka Tony, I love you. I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. Uh, I'm happy for a win. Um, what else from this game? Anything we missed? Um, I, I'm still a little concerned about our run defense, uh, even though that's sure. not a positive. <laughs> sure. Uh, Michigan is like one of the worst rushing teams in the country and put up 174 yards on us. True. How much of that was the one Haskins run though? 60 or something that he, he broke off? Maybe. I don't know. Let's actually but... have it right here. Uh, yeah, Has- Haskins, his long was 59. <laughs> so, of course, that still counts. I'm not saying it doesn't. But outside of that one play, a little better? Yeah, okay. A little better? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, we, we need to work on those gap assignments, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. playing as a cohesive defense. That is what we need. We, we have the talent out there to Agreed. stop runs at the very Agreed. least. And this is especially against, like, teams like Rutgers and Michigan State. They're you know, not going to see a lot of strong quarterback play. Got to be able to stop the run. If we stop the run against these teams, we win. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think this was just a fun, it was fun to win again, man. It was fun um, to see good – it was fun to see good things happen. Um, the youth movement is real. Uh, obviously, we talked about Parker Washington. We talked about Kevon Lee. Um, I, th- I think you'll see more of Keziah Holmes. I'm not saying that just because I want my take to be right, but I do think you see both of them uh, work in. Hopefully, Devin Ford is back. It's always better to have more healthy guys. Um, Dotson, still that dude. Had a quieter day, but still that dude. Uh, Theo Johnson, getting some reps. Young tight end. Um, came in. He was very highly recruited. So, yeah, the youth movement is real. Um, at this point, we have two games left, uh, Rutgers and Michigan State. Um, so we can end the regular season at three and five, which would put us somewhere around, I don't know, third, fourth in the fourth in the Yeah, big, it's, big it's a weird season where everyone behind Ohio State and Indiana is really bad. Yeah, and like and different amount of games. Like Maryland is Maryland's only played four games. We've played True. six. Um, so I don't know how that ranked. Because I, I was what I was trying to do is predict who we would play in that final crossover game if we ended it's, up in the middle there. It's a little too. Uh, it's too early. It's a little premature, as they'd say. Oh, I can't um, believe Northwestern right. lost to Michigan State. I dude, that's it's so Northwestern. So Pat Fitzgerald start five and zero. Oh, this is your year. You're going to take advantage of COVID and just be really fucking good. You lose to Michigan State. I'm telling you, I still need to do it. I'm going to try to maybe, maybe I'll try to get like a whiteboard at some point and make this video of this team beat this team who got shit kicked by this team who lost to this team who beat this team. The Big Ten, yeah. it's a mess. It's a mess. It'll it's be like a, uh, like a box like, Pepe. <laughs> it'll be like, uh, what is it in Always Sunny, Charlie Kelly, when he's got the map and all the strings. What's, that? what's happening in the Big Ten? Uh, I need to do that at one point. But now we're rambling. Sorry, guys. The mail does not stop. <laughs> um, I think that's it. Shout out to everyone interacting with us on twitter as always it was so much fun have positive vibes um we got a game in piscataway this week we will do a preview show this week we're past thanksgiving past the holiday we didn't do a preview last time we will do a preview show this week um and i think that's all i got Pat, any uh any last words for the listeners thanks for sticking with us guys appreciate you let's go one and oh this week we are